The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. Greetings and salutations from us to you as you are listening to the Pet Buzz, the pet talk radio show that helps you enhance your animal-human bond with our talk of health, wellness, and affordability. We want you to have the best relationship with your pet. You know, let's uh, start out the show by my weekly muse. So I have this problem. So Hammy Jones, my two-year-old English toy spaniel, doesn't want to go outside. It started a few weeks ago. He gets excited to hit the pavement. But once we get out the door, I have to pull him down the driveway and about two houses past our house before he starts walking again. Once he walks, he's fine. But I think I'm going to have to call Brian Kilcummins, the dog trainer, the dog trainer extraordinaire, I should say, to solve this one. So if you have any ideas, send them to me at team at the pet And I'm going to try to get Brian on the show next week because. I'm getting tired of carrying Hammy out the door, down the driveway and two houses down. But let's kick off the show with the weekly countdown. Well, in segment four, I'm talking about getting pet cool, how to keep your pets cool this summer as the temperatures soar all over the country. And in seg three, Dr. Amber Bray joins us from the Canine Cognition Center at the University of Arizona to talk about how puppies can understand human cues at a very young age. This is a fascinating research that she's done, and I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing about more about this topic. And in two, hey, I'm talking celebrity pet buzz, and Dr. Fleck is talking Flex facts. You don't want to miss this. And in segment number one, Comics are not just for children. There are some comics written with adults in mind. Comic strips are widely read around the world. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. They're in magazines, books, and they're also on the Internet. You know, some make people laugh. Others are made to entertain. There are some that have even been created to make political or social commentary. But today we're going to talk about an exhibit of comic strips and cartoon art at Ohio State University. One of your arch rivals, Dr. Fleck, being that you're from MSU. Yes. That focus on canines. So go ahead, <laughs> Dr. Fleck. Why don't you introduce our guest? So joining us today is Andros, the museum coordinator of the Ohio State University Libraries. She is the museum coordinator, special collections and area studies. Welcome to the Pet Buzz, Ann. We're glad you're here to talk about your new exhibit. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. And that new exhibit, of course, is The Dog Show, Two Centuries of Canine Cartoons. I'm excited for this. I am too. Yeah, cool. So, Anne, I'm curious, what prompted an exhibit about 200 years of canine cartoons? So the Billy Ireland Cartoon Library and Museum, which is part of Special Collections at Ohio State, we received a fantastic gift of the Brad Anderson collection. So Brad Anderson was the creator of Marmaduke that came to us in 2018. That started a bigger conversation about all the fantastic dogs that have been in comics and cartoons throughout history that we had in our collection. And it prompted us to 
turn it into a larger exhibit. So we did include Marmaduke, but it, it expanded from there and we were able to represent a lot of different genres and dogs in the collection. Well, that's my next question. What genres are represented at the exhibit? So we've got adventure, humor, slice of life, satire, editorial cartoons, many formats. So you're going to see comic strips, comic books, magazine cartoons, illustrations, sports comics. And then there's also animation. Cool. Awesome. That sounds really interesting. You know, what it really thinks about when you break it down to the type of genres that are represented, you know, especially when you're thinking about comic strips or cartoon art, really, you know? Yeah, I'm just so excited because I always liked Marmaduke and I'm really interested to see what happens. <laughs> so what are we going to see at the exhibit specifically? So there's going to be a lot of old favorites. So we've got Snoopy by Charles Schultz, Marmaduke, Sandy from Little Orphan Annie, Dick Tracy, Mutts by Patrick McDonald, for better or for worse, and Johnston's Farley. And then we also have underground cartoonists like Sherry Funnikin, who did Trots and Bonnie and Linda Berry. New favorites, uh, Dogman by Dave Pilkey, animation, old animation from Fleischer Studios, Betty Boop and Bimbo, and then Disney, we have Lady and the Tramp, 101 Dalmatians, Pluto, Goofy, and there's a, an animation clip that runs through a lot of different other cartoons that weren't represented by the artwork on the wall. So you're going to see actual animation playing too, and then um, New Yorker cartoonist Don Bluth, I'm sorry, not Don Bluth, George Booth and Jack Ziegler. Don Bluth is represented by All Dogs Go to Heaven on the animation wall. So there's really something for everyone. You're going to see old favorites. It's going to be some nostalgia and then also new favorites, comic books um, that have been published in the last 20 years and then going back to the 1950s and 60s as well. You know, it's really interesting, but I don't know about you, but I one of the things that I always have a fond memory of, and you know, me and my dog liked hot dogs and some other things that we used to do together. My dad and I used to read Beetle Bailey. So I don't, Otto, is that the name of the dog? Yeah, Otto from Beetle Bailey is certainly represented. Um, I, I should mention that the curator of this exhibition is Brian Walker, who is the son of Mart Walker. And Brian is one of the uh, part of the creative team that is still creating Beetle Bailey in High and Lois. So he's a comics historian and he put together this fantastic display. You know, it is exciting because it can bring back our youthful nostalgia and just remember the good yeah. times from from then. Well, you're older than I am, so you probably have a lot more youthfulness. Takes me a long time to remember, yeah, too. Right. Does, really. OK, OK. Gotcha. So you had a question. What is the oldest cartoon that is being shown at the exhibit? We do have two centuries being displayed. So the oldest is by George Cruikshank, and we have a reproduction of a print from 1820 called Very Unpleasant Weather, or also known as Raining Cats and Dogs. So that is the oldest. And we also have some late 19th century newspaper comics like Hogan's Alley from 1886 by Richard Altkolb, who's actually, he was born in Ohio. 1820? 1820 for the print for the and 1886 one. for the, the other newspaper comics. Wow. You know, I'm curious, is there one cartoon that you feel that resonates with dog owners today? You know, one that comes to mind, we have a display case that's highlighting for better or for worse, by Lynn Johnston, the death of Farley scenes from 1995. One thing that's really interesting about 
for better or for worse, is the characters actually grow up and age throughout the, the time the strip was printed. And Farley is a heroic dog. He's been with the family for many years. And in this sequence from 1995, he rescues the, the toddler who has fallen into the river. And Farley's a hero. And unfortunately, he doesn't make it. So that I think there were so many people who were really reading that comic book or strip and growing up with it as it was printed in the newspaper. And they really related to that because you felt like Farley was your family dog too, or like you knew Farley, you knew that family. So we also have the archive of Lynn Johnston at the Billy Ireland. And there were so many letters written to Lynn Johnston saying like, why did you have to do that? That's so sad. And then other people just writing about how much they love Farley and, and how, how sad they were to, to know that he was no longer going to be part of the strip, but that they they really loved the story that she told. Well, Anne, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate her being here. Absolutely. And to learn more about Anne and the dog show, Two Centuries of Canine Cartoons, you can visit library.osu.edu or you can do cartoons.osu at edu. And we'll try to keep up with everything on our website. Right. Yeah, I think it would be a great idea. Once we know when their virtual events are, we can replay this interview. Yep. And then we could put a calendar of events Please. up so that people who listen throughout the country, if they're curious and they have a reason to go to an Ohio Why State they game. Be? It's, it's Why, youthful exactly. nostalgia. And football season starting. Oh, Why yeah. not stop by the museum too? Oh, yeah. Okay, great. Up next, Celebrity Pet Buzz and Flex Facts. Can't wait. For the full-length, unedited video versions of all of our interviews, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel. You're listening to The Pet Buzz. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Tever Pet knows there's a lot in your life that you worry about. We want to make sure your pet's flea and tick protection isn't one of them. Tever Pet offers vet quality flea and tick protection that has the same active ingredients as leading brands like Canine Advantix 2 and Frontline Plus, but that cost much less. Which means you can give your pet total flea protection worry-free. And the best part is you can get Tever Pet flea and tick topicals delivered right to your door when you shop on TeverPet.com. Tever Pet, helping you and your pet live your best life. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. We first heard about EpiPet at our local rescue shelter where our family adopted Lucy, a 10-year-old yellow lab. She was in tough shape, but we noticed within just a few days how soft and thick her coat was getting. She has more energy now, loves to chase her favorite tennis ball, and most importantly, how happy and healthy Lucy is now. We could not be happier. Thanks, Happy Pet. 
To order better pet health for your dog or cat, just visit epi-pet.com. That's epi-pet.com. Thank you so much for joining us on the Pet Buzz. The show is hosted by the Dynamic Pet Duo. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Okay, so let's talk celebrity pet news. Well, believe it or not, you know how Chris Brown is the singer. Remember years ago, he beat up his girlfriend, Rihanna, who's yeah, beloved. Yeah. And then he was like trying to sell pit bulls on the. Remember that? Yeah, well, yeah. he's in the news again. Get this. So he had a dog in his home um, and a housekeeper there. And all of a sudden, the dog came out from nowhere and attacked the housekeeper. She had like 75 stitches. The dog was attacking her, biting her arms, biting her face. She was calling out for help. Uh, Supposedly, according to statements, I guess, court documents, she said that Chris Brown came in eventually to check on after the dog was mauling her and basically made a phone call and walked away. Then some security people came, took the dog away. And then I have no idea how she got to the hospital because the news report that I said saw didn't say how she got to the hospital. But eventually she got to the hospital and it turns out the dog was taken to Humble County, California. He lives in Tarzana, California, and destroyed in an animal shelter up there. Doesn't sound very good to me. I know. And of course, she's going to be suing, I'm, I'm sure, for a lot of money, as she probably should. But, you know, these well, ir- we have to hear the other side of the story. Of too. course we do. Yes. But I mean, the dog should have been I mean, that kind of dog is not a dog for a home. Apparently not. No. And if it does, it has to be handled by a trainer. If it's used for security, a lot of people get these dogs. They want these big dogs and they don't know how to train them. They're violent. They're vicious. And I'm not saying all large dogs are. But I think it's really important, especially if you're having people come to your home. You need a crate. We always talk about that. Now, I always say never throw out your crate. You need a home, you know, a crate for your dog. So if the dog's a little weary about strangers, I mean, even a Briard could chew up someone. Absolutely. It's a very you, protective you, dog. I always I always tell people, too, you know, if you have a poodle and it's kind of aggressive and it bites. Yeah, you're going to get some lacerations on your fingers. But if it's a dog that has a big strong bite uh, or a dog that's 125 br- pounds that can break, knock you, you over well it can it can also break arms break legs and maul you which sure you have to really monitor and that's not to scare people because in my practice i think i have more large dogs than i do smaller dogs mm-hmm. and they're all well behaved and well taken care of but it's important for you as a person to make sure you can that manage, you can manage your yes. dog's behavior. You and, you know, it. when you go to buy a dog, some dogs, you know, read some of that AKC material or understand what the mixes are, because some dogs have guarding and protective instincts. That's just natural. That's what the job that's through selection. They were bred for certain jobs to do like sheep herding and guarding. And so you have to, it's like, you know, a lot of drug enforcement guys use Malinois because they have high prey drive. They're going to go and get the job done. So it's not a bad reflection on dogs in general. It's just a reflection on being prepared, being safe, and also having dog life. Isn't that what, what you always say? And what we try to always say, educate yourself before you bring a new pet into the sure. house. And it's important. There's so many sources for that, whether you get books, the Internet with the right websites, of course. Sure. But it, it's so important for you to understand the responsibility 
that you have as a pet parent. Sure. Okay, and now up next, Flex Facts. Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Fact or fiction? Just the Facts, ma'am. You want answers. I want the truth. And now what you've been waiting for, Flex Facts, that great weekly feature featuring Dr. Michael Flack. So, Dr. Fleck, what are we going to yap about today? Today, we are going to talk about sunburn in pets. Just like you and I, dogs also do get sunburn. Dog sunburn is not anything to ignore since it can not only be irritating and painful. In a worst case scenario, reoccurring or untreated burns can result in increased exposure and risk to the skin for cancer. What's more. Dogs may also get sunburn through their fur, particularly light-colored or white dogs with fair skin. Okay, so does it affect all dogs? While dog sunburns affect all types of dogs, there are, however, specific dog breeds that are more prone to getting sunburn. All canines, notwithstanding their coat thickness, have precise vulnerability areas that have less or no fur at all around the belly and ears, in dogs featuring delicate skin, hence increasing their chance of getting sunburn. Moreover, a dog's nose can also get dried out and be sore. Nonetheless, some dog breeds are more prone to getting sunburn. For instance, white or light-skinned dogs tend to have fair skin just beneath the fur, hence greater susceptibility to sun damage. Not only working dogs, but dogs with naturally thin hair and more so, the hairless breeds also have a higher chance of getting sunburn and even getting cancer. Some of the dog breeds in most dangers of getting sunburn include Boxers, Chinese Crested, the American Staffordshire Terrier, Greyhounds, Boxers, Whippets, Dalmatians, White German Shepherds, and the Weimaraner. We can't forget about the Golden Retriever. And the Golden Retriever gets everything. Okay. How do you tell if your dog has sunburn? Generally, the most prevalent symptoms is painful, reddened skin. Also, you may notice vocalization of pain during movement or when your dog is touched. However, severe cases, you can identify blistering and inflammation or redness on your dog. Just to review, sunburn signs and symptoms include reddened skin, dry cracked skin, your dog may be scratching, and perhaps even whimpering, the pup unnaturally shying away from touch, curling just at the edge of its ears. Mm. So how do you treat sunburn? Besides the obvious step of taking your dog to the veterinary clinic, there are several ways that you can use to help treat the dog sunburn. If you have experienced sunburn before and you now have a pet with sunburns, you can use the same approach, tactics, and home remedies to your pet as you would typically to yourself. Usually a soothing bath by using lukewarm water can help soothe your dog's sunburn and its dry skin at the same time. Another useful home remedy would be applying aloe vera in your pup's bath as this can help alleviate its pain. Similarly, you can also add neem oil as you bathe your pet, which can effectively help hasten the healing process quite significantly though. Lastly, you can also make use of some coconut oil as it aids in replacing the lost skin, subsequently ensuring skin rejuvenation. Hmm, That's interesting. 
I like that last coconut oil tip. Okay, so how do I protect my dog from from sunburn? Really simply, if your pup goes out for a relatively long period during summer days, especially in the backyard, there is a need for you to protect the skin from the harmful UV sun rays. A few tips you can include, find shade, of course. Mm -hmm. Use dog sunscreen. And and EpiPet, your sunscreen is the F only FDA compliant sunscreen. It's the only FDA compliant sunscreen available for pets. Okay. Use protective clothing. That's a good one. A light shirt that has a protection. Yeah. yeah. yeah just like we would ourselves. Yeah. Well, I think that's the point you're trying to make, right? Just yes. Think of sunburn, treat sunburn just like you would yourself and it gets severe. Take your pet to the vet. And don't forget, 50% of all pets over 10 years of age, die from cancers. Cancers of the skin are part of what they die from. Wow. Well, Dr. Fleck, great tips. Another great Flex Facts. I think people will be listening to this throughout the summer season. So we will make sure it is an independent interview on our social media channels. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen too. Use EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless, golden retrievers, and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Visit epi-pet.com. You know, you're listening to the best in pet talk radio. This is the pet buzz. That's the way it has to be, because that's the way I like it. It's genius. I like it. I love it so much. I like it. It's to die for. I like it. So, Dr. Fleck, check out my likey of the week. It's right there. It's on this TV set set up here in the studio. Do you see those orange Yeti dog bowls? Yeah. So Yeti is a beloved favorite because for us as humans, they keep our beverages cooler. And if we have hot beverages, they keep them hotter for hours and hours and hours for such a long time. So Yeti now makes dog bowls. And what's great about them is they're durable, they're rough and tough, and they keep the water, especially now for dogs, cooler longer. So in our studio, we have the orange or the crab orange Yeti dog bowls. Now those are 32 ounce dog bowls. And there's also a 64 ounce dog bowl. I like them for home use. And the reason I like them for home use is because they keep the water, like I said, cooler longer. They're stainless steel, so they're easy to wash. They can go right into the dishwasher and they're skid proof. And I was reading the reviews and one dog owner said, even my Great Dane cannot destroy this <laughs> Yeti dog bowl. So I thought that was a pretty durable. A, I thought that was a high snaps five-star rating for Yeti dog bowls. Okay. 
and now uh, we're going to continue on with our next guest who's going to talk about, get this, how puppies genetically love humans. Really? Yes, we love that. Okay. I can't wait. I can't wait either. She's, she's on the phone right now. So let's move on. Joining us today is Dr. Emma Bray. She is a postdoctoral research associate at Arizona Canine Cognition Center in the School of Anthropology at the University of Arizona. So Dr. Bray, welcome to the Pet Buzz. Thanks so much for having me. Well, you know, I'm so glad you're here because a friend of mine went to go look at some puppies. And it was so amazing how they were so interested in us and how they wanted to come to us and snuggle with us. So we were really excited. So do you think that puppies are born to interact with humans? So yes, it appears that thousands of years of selection have led to puppies who are extremely skilled at reading our social cues. And as many pet owners can probably verify, it really does seem that dogs arrive biologically prepared for communication with humans. So you recently finished a study about this topic. Tell us about it. But really, I'm kind of curious, what prompted the study? Sure. So over the past 20 years, one of the most robust findings in the canine science world has been that adult dogs show skill when it comes to following communicative gestures and making eye contact with humans. And in fact, they're more skilled at following a human pointing gesture than non-human apes, despite being much more distantly related to us. And so there are also many studies documenting their tendency to initiate eye contact and the positive effects that that induces in both the humans and the dogs. So for example, we know that mutual gaze increases oxytocin level in both species. So this all begs the question of why. So is the acquisition of these skills solely dependent upon learning and the experiences that the dogs accrue over their lives, given that they grow up in our homes? Or is there more to the story? So could it be that over the course of domestication, these sorts of skills have been selected for and dogs are now set up to be receptive to our communication from shortly after birth? I love when I point to my dog, you know, or I go like this and they come. <laughs> I just love that. Okay, so let's talk about your research protocols. So I'm sure you were surrounded by tons of puppies. What did they do? What kind of tasks did they complete? Sure. So we worked with 375 puppies uh, from Canine Companions, which is a service dog organization. And they participated in four different tasks of social cognition. So two that measured their ability to follow a communicative cue and two that measured their propensity to make eye contact with a human. So, for example, in our pointing task, uh, there were always two cups and food was hidden under one of them without the puppy seeing where. And then the experimenter called the puppy's name, made eye contact and pointed to the correct location. And in this scenario, puppies chose the correct location significantly above what we would expect by mere chance. Um, and then to look at the puppy's tendency to make eye contact, one task that we used was called a human interest task. And here the experimenter looked at the puppy and talked to them in a high-pitched voice that closely mimicked how people talk to babies. And we measured how long the puppies returned eye contact with the experimenter and found they did so for about one-fifth of the overall trial time. Did you find anything out that was really surprising that you didn't, that you didn't think about doing this uh, study with the puppies? Yeah, so I think there were two main takeaways that we didn't know prior to the study. So first, um, we learned something important about the developmental basis of these skills. So it turns out that even before puppies have left their litter mates to live one-on-one -on -one with their human razor, 
most of them are able to interpret these human cues within a social context and reciprocate eye contact. And importantly, we found that the puppies understand from the very first trial. And so it seems like they really are starting the task with the communicative ability necessary to be successful. And second, we know that group-wide, most dogs possess these skills as puppies, but we see individual differences. So while many puppies sort of breeze through, others just cannot figure it out. Um, and what's really fascinating is that a lot of this variation can be explained by the genetics of the dogs. So specifically, 43% of the variation that we saw in point-following ability and gazing behavior was due to genetic factors. And that's actually quite high numbers on par with estimates of the heritability of intelligence in our own species. Now, did you use a specific breeds of puppies or a variety of puppies? Uh, so we use Labrador retrievers, golden retrievers, and mixes between labs and goldens because that um, those are the dogs that the service dog organization breeds and, and raises. If you've just joined us, we're talking with Dr. Emily Bright of Arizona Canine Cognition Center in the School of Anthropology at University of Arizona. So a follow-up, what you talked about puppies and the human uh, interaction. Do you think that puppies showed the same willingness to communicate like babies? I'm always interested in that. The animal-human bond, obviously, but if we see similarities in the canines versus the humans, or what, or what correlation behavior do we see? Right. So I think behaviorally, what we see in puppies in terms of non-linguistic communication, obviously, um, is functionally comparable to what we see in young human children. So how puppies are solving these social problems certainly looks human-like. But I would say the jury is still out as to whether the underlying mechanisms driving these behaviors are the same. And so research into that question is ongoing. Last question for you. You know, we, we do a lot of studies on the show and I always want to know and our listeners want to know. So what can they take away? What information can they take away from your research? I mean, will your information help them look, you know, when they're looking for adopting or buying a puppy? Yeah. So a couple of things. One, I think that Dogs' communicative skills uniquely position them to fill the role that they have alongside humans. So many of the tasks that they perform for us now and in the past, whether that's herding, hunting, detecting, acting as service dogs, they're facilitated by their ability to effectively use our cues. And with pet dogs specifically, these abilities help to foster attachment and strengthen the human-animal bond. So I think a uh, takeaway from this study is that probably ancient dogs who displayed these skills were likely at a selective advantage. Interestingly, we actually followed 160 of the puppies from our study into adulthood and retested them. And what we found is that when it came to reciprocating gaze, for example, performance at an early age was predictive of how that same individual went on to perform as an adult. So in other words, puppies who were very socially attentive grew into dogs that were very socially attentive and vice versa. So if that's a treat that you're interested in for your future pet, it's something that you can look for from very early on. You know, I like that. That's definitely a treat. And on that note, we're going to end the interview. Thank you so much for joining. You know, on that note, we're going to end the interview. Dr. Bray, thank you so much for joining us. It was great information. And I think when people are out there and we know so many people have adopted or bought puppies recently and they continue to do so because they see how puppies are our, our best friends, our family members, and also, I would say, life jackets, too, especially since we've had this ongoing pandemic problem. 
So everyone, that was Dr. Emily Bray discussing how puppies are born to interact with humans. For more information, visit dog.arizona.edu. And they called it Puppy Love. For the full-length, unedited video versions of all of our interviews, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel. You're listening to The Pet Buzz. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? I love animals and want my pets to be healthy. So I asked our vet who recommended EpiPet Ear Cleaner. It's super simple, and it even smells good. Every week I use it on both my dog and my cat to gently remove wax and debris. I even told my friend Aiden to try EpiPet on his dog Sophie, who always had red ears. But not anymore. Now we both have happy and healthy pets. Thanks, EpiPet. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com. Petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to say it all the time. We're urban. Suburban and, and country. country. So you know what? I'm gonna do we're gonna do a new segment here. It's called Tell Me Something Good. Tell me something good. Remember that song? Yeah. Yeah. So I read this fantastic newspaper account. A woman, she had a dog. She lost her dog many, many years ago. She went to the shelter looking for a new dog. Hmm. And before she did that, she went online and she saw pictures of these great dogs. And one dog stuck out at her. He had a little scar on the top of his forehead and she couldn't believe it. So she stopped what she was doing. She ran down to the shelter and she explained that she had this dog and there was one dog at that shelter she had to see. Mm. Guess what? What? It turns out that it was her lost dog that she had two years ago. Oh, my. The dog got away from her house. Yes. Disappeared. She went to the shelters, the Humane Society's hunk posters. Turns out it eventually got to the Humane Society, was adopted by a new family, and unfortunately got evicted due to COVID. Mm. So I think we're going to see a lot more of these evictions Mm. and possibilities. So they couldn't afford to keep the dog because they were really focused on finding a place to live. She went down to the shelter. She had told them the story. They let the dog out of the cage. The dog kind of looked at her and then went crazy. You know, those, those, those videos we see of soldiers coming home, the dog was screaming and yelling and crying and carrying on and just jumped into her arms and was giving her great kisses. What a great story. Even after two years, the dog still recognized her. That's great. That's tell me something good. That's good stuff. That's real good stuff. So when the temperatures soar, pet owners need to take steps to keep their pets cool. The summer months can be uncomfortable, even dangerous for pets as well as people. Use these expert tips to keep your pets cool and safe for the summer season. Well, you know, it's interesting because this past week I was everywhere. 
I was in Phoenix. I was in Vegas and I was, yes, it was hot. But you know what? I was also in Greensboro, North Carolina, all virtual. But of course, I was paying attention to the temperatures because I did a segment called Get Pet Cool for a lot of these stations. Cool and hydrated. So how can we keep our dog hydrated? Well, hydration needs to be done every day and all day long. And a lot of people don't know this, but July is Hydration Awareness Month. So your dog's body will naturally lose water all day, just like people. He loses water when he sweats through his paws. That's how dogs sweat, as you know, Uh, when he pants, when he pees and when he poops. And a good rule of thumb is make sure your dog gets at least one ounce of water daily for each pound he weighs. Um, You know, I mentioned uh, previously for dogs at home, try the Yeti bowls. They keep the water cooler longer. But for dogs on the go, I like these Loving Pets bowls because and they're the Loving Pets Bellaroma bowls. I like them a lot because they're PBA free. They fold flat. They come with the carabiner. They're dishwasher safe and they have legs. A lot of times when you're out with a dog and you give one of those zip up bowls, Mm -hmm. they step through them. They knock them over. But because they're not as durable. Mm -hmm. But I like these because they stand up. So you could check out Yeti.com for bowls at home and loving pets with an S products with an S.com. So sun, sun, sun and fun. The two go hand in hand in the summer. So months. Talk to us about pet sunscreen. Well, you know, you make the sunscreen, right. but I'm going to tell everybody and your sunscreen is amazing for a few different reasons. One, it's waterproof. One, it has an SPF of about 30 plus, and it's the only FDA compliant sunscreen. It's the only one. Right. And here's the kicker, though. It's in a sports bottle with a valve top. So you could spray the light mist that's vanilla scented one way and then turn the bottle upside down so that you could easily get under the pet and spray the abdomen and underbelly. And why is that important? The underbelly. There's less hair. And the reflection can come up from the pavement. Absolutely. See, I learned something. You did? Yeah. So you could check that out at EpiPet.com. Talk about cooling. Are there cooling clothes for dogs? Believe it or not, there are cooling clothes for dogs. And you want to help your best friend stay cool in this horrible heat with these soaring temperatures with evaporating or evaporating cooling technology. So I'll explain. So you can activate these cooling coats and bandanas and other canine apparel by soaking them in water. Then you wring them out and then you outfit your dog and you let that evaporating cooling pull the heat away from your from your uh, four-legged friend. Now, there has been some studies about cooling clothes. One was done with greyhounds. They're not, they're probably like in the 20, 20 years or so. Some said they work. Some said they didn't. But pet owners tend to believe they do work from. And, you know, technology has changed from like 15 and 20 years ago. Um, I think it's a great idea for snub nosed dogs like our English toy spaniels. If you have basset hounds, if you have Shih Tzus or any dog really that's low to the ground. I mean, it's a great idea. And, you know, if you wring it out, it's not going to be dripping all over the place. Like I said, there's bandanas, their abdomen wraps. And there are these cooling jackets. I like the ones that are light colored because they help deflect solar radiation. Yep. We just got to make sure that we keep our pets cool, just like we have to make sure we keep ourselves cool. Absolutely. Okay. Swimming is a great way to cool off. But what about safety measures? A doggy dip is a great way to keep your pet cool in the summertime. But you want to make sure that your dog is wearing a life jacket, whether you're on a lake, 
whether you're in the backyard or whether you're on even if boat, they can swim, even if they can swim and not all dogs can swim. That's correct. So, you know, you want to look for float coats. You want them to be bright colored so you can see them yes. even in low light conditions with reflective light stripping. And you want to be able to have a handle so that you can lift your perfect, dog perfect. right out of the water. And then once they're out of the water, you want to definitely rinse them off and no dog should go in the water if they have open wounds because there's all sorts of things in some of these waters well i have a hard time sleeping when it's hot what about a comfortable canine sleep have you ever noticed that when it's cool outside your dog doesn't want to line its bed right and that's because the dog bed traps the body heat of the dog right so that's what happens. So a lot of times they want to go in the bathroom. Yep. They want to go in the kitchen, anywhere where the concrete, they might want to go out yep. to the garage and they just want to lie on that cool surface. Well, one of the things I do is I like elevated dog beds and they can be better for dogs that live in climates that are just super, super hot. So the nice thing is there's airflow above the bed and beneath the bed and there's mesh in the middle. So the dog is constantly getting that kind of airflow. And the other thing is it also keeps the dog off of the ground. So there's no dirt. There's no debris. Additionally, they provide a really nice firm support, especially for your older dogs. And here's the best part. They're so easy to clean. All you have to do is wipe them down or you have to hose them off. OK, you said a key there for the older dogs is so important for them to be comfortable. Yes. Most of them are developing joint problems. Right. And they they really, really need that support. And one of the things I always like to do is I think you have to think about veterinary care, but you also have to think about the products that can help pet owners. None of these products really have cost more than, well, the Yeti dog ball was about $39.98, but everything else was very reasonably priced under $20. Really having a pet, you want to enjoy your lifestyle together, but you also want to be able to afford it you don't want to end up having to spend a lot of money. The healthier we keep our pets, the healthier we keep ourselves. And the, the less we money we have, ourselves. right. And the less money we have to spend. Right. Well, I think that's it for the show, Dr. Fleck. So I think uh, next week we're going to talk about where the best places are to travel with your dog. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, I think that's a great that's a, topic. That's a great topic. Because people are thinking about summer vacation, where they're going to go. Not everyone planned it because of COVID. You know, they're worried about getting on the planes and the trains and the automobiles. And, and try to think of, because we all can't travel across the United States, think of something close to home. Yeah, that's fun. A lot of people want to go to, you know, national parks. But once again, you have to consider your dog. Not all dogs are welcome a lot of people are doing beach vacations they're running houses in the mountains and it's a different lifestyle when you go to the right. camps with your pet yeah there's different kinds of conditions that you have to prepare for them right so Especially you got to do your research you got to do your research and also we want to thank our guest dr emma bray and we want to thank Androsed. that's right we want to thank her. That was a great segment. And, oh, it was fun. Yeah. And also knowing that puppies are, you know, genetically want to be hanging out with us. Of course, we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin coat and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. Don't forget, if you buy EpiPet products using the Pet Buzz as your code, you'll receive 25% off on all the great products, including shampoos, skin and coat sprays, sunscreen, ear cleaner and supplements for your dogs and cats but if you have a question write to us at team at the we'll cover it next week on our show and if you've missed any portion of this show visit our social media channels as well as your favorite streaming channels 
and listen to the linked podcast and Monday morning. Most importantly, remember we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. www.thepetbuzz.com Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.